I want to make one thing perfectly clear. This show is not about lumberjacks. My name is Christopher Grunland, and this is where I share my stories. Sometimes the stories contain truths, but most of the time they're made up. Sometimes the stories are funny, other times they're serious. But you have my word about one thing. I will never, ever share a story about lumberjacks. This time we step back to the days of computer bulletin board systems for a story based wholly on truth. No, seriously, this was a pretty much true story until we reach a certain point. When two friends create an online persona to mess with another friend, they get what they have coming to them for their deception. I know I said this month would be a mystery set in a bog, but that's now been bumped to the first release of 2022. It's a good story and I didn't want to rush it just to get it out. Besides, it was time for something lighthearted and goofy. And now, the usual content advisory. Milk Boy deals with emotional manipulation, stressful working conditions, infected food, passing mention of a grisly death, demonic possession, and cartoonish violence. Oh, so much cartoonish violence. And, of course, there's plenty of swearing. Also, if you're driving, be aware that any time you hear characters in a vehicle after the mention of Yummy's Greek Restaurant in Denton, Texas, there will be yelling, squealing tires, and even a collision. Really, from that point on, just expect the story to get louder and more ridiculous with each new paragraph. The character of Tim in Milk Boy is a real person. In fact, he's the artist behind the two versions of the Not About Lumberjacks logo. I'm releasing Milk Boy today on October 2nd, 2021, in honor of his birthday. I've been fortunate over the years to receive artwork from Tim as gifts on my birthday, so it was time I wrote a story as a gift for one of his. I hope this effort finally absolves me from the sin of creating Milk Boy and Catfishing Tim before catfishing was a thing. Alright, let's get to work. Milk Boy This is a story about the shittiest thing my friend Mark and I ever did to our best friend, Tim. Mark had a Tandy 2500-386-SX computer with an 85 megabyte hard drive, and we put it to good use the night we created Milk Boy. Milk Boy was a digital construct, catfishing before catfishing was a thing, 
An online persona created to see if Mark's roommate, Tim, would take the bait. Of course, he did. That Tandy system, while belonging to Mark, was a shared thing in the apartment where he dwelled. A system allowing Mark, Tim, and me to log into a bulletin board system run by Mark's manager at Two Dice Pizza. We chatted with strangers in the Dallas-Fort Worth area long before any of us had easier access to the World Wide Web. It was my idea to make Milk Boy. Tim started spending more time on Jared's BBS than hanging out with us. Looking back, I can't blame him. He worked several jobs, among them illustrating children's books, delivering newspapers, and managing fireworks stands in the summer, but his most tedious task was dealing with Mark and me. Much like an exhausted parent, when the day was done, Tim wanted to connect with someone who didn't add to his life the kinds of stresses we did. And so, one evening he logged into the BBS and met a guy who went by Milk Boy. We chose the name Milk Boy because Tim's dad was not only born and raised in Wisconsin, but he was a shining son of the dairy state. He bowled, played accordion, and drank beer. His work ethic ran rampant in Tim's veins, and in Milk Boy, Mark and I created a fake persona that took away the stresses of Tim's busy days. Between all his tasks, Tim chatted online with a guy who loved Wisconsin as much as he did, who loved They Might Be Giants as much as he did, who loved the exact comic books as much as Tim. It was all so obvious to Mark and me that we figured Tim would quickly realize he'd been had. But I guess when your two best friends are the kinds of people who would make up a fake person online instead of, you know, being kinder to you, you'd believe something too good to be true when compared to your reality. Each day, Milk Boy became more perfect. If Tim talked to us about how much he loved Too Much Joy's new album, suddenly online, Milk Boy did the same. Milk Boy loved Legion of Superhero comic books, Twin Peaks on television, and could sing along to every dead milkman tune. If Tim liked it, Milk Boy loved it. Milk Boy was a refined work in progress we enjoyed creating more than any character in the stories we wrote and the role-playing games we adored. Not quite two weeks into our deception, Mark was the first to bring up that maybe we'd gone too far. It was funny when we first made Milk Boy, but I'm starting to feel bad. It's not that funny anymore. It actually feels kind of mean. 
I agreed, but it's a rare day when you're part of something so new, and I wanted to see how far our online ruse could be taken. That was apparently enough of an argument for Mark to say, Yeah, you're right. I'm curious too. And so Milk Boy's presence grew in our lives, a thing making the three of us happy, until somewhere, almost a month in, when Tim said something Mark and I had not anticipated. I'm going to see if Milk Boy wants to meet up in person. We knew right then that we should have stopped the night Mark asked if we'd taken it too far. Mark said, That's great, Tim. Cool. Then he turned to me and said, Hey, I'm going to walk over to the store for some snacks. Want to come along? Sure, I said. Need anything, Tim? Nah, I'm good. I'm going to go message Milk Boy. Before we even made it to the parking lot, I said, We need to go back in there and tell him the truth, Mark. I'll tell him it was all my idea because it was, so he takes it out mostly on me. He'll kill us, Mark said. I'm not even fully joking. He's so stressed right now that I can see him braining us with that metal T-square he uses for art. Mark was lost in thought while we climbed the hill between the apartment and the gas station store. At the top, he said, we can have Milk Boy say he's moving back to Wisconsin. That he'd love to meet Tim, but there's some family thing needing attention, like when you went back to Missouri when your dad died. You can play that shit up and sell it. Tim felt so bad for you. Milk Boy disappears and we swear to each other, here and now, that even if we're all still friends in 30 years, that we never tell Tim the truth about Milk Boy. Just have Milk Boy fade away, I said? Yep. A message or two to Tim and he's gone forever. As long as Mark and I stuck to our new plan, it was a foolproof fix to our reckless problem. On the way back to the apartment, Mark said, I'll send the first Milk Boy message tonight while Tim's delivering newspapers in Denton. We've got this. When we returned to the apartment with a couple bags of junk food, no sooner than we walked through the door, Tim said, It's done, guys. I messaged Milk Boy and he said he'd love to meet up in person. I don't know what our faces looked like, but Tim said, What's wrong, guys? I thought you'd think this is cool. No, it is, Mark said. Really cool. You're sure he said he wants to meet you in person? Yep. I'm going to reply in a moment, but there was a message waiting for me. He wondered if I wanted to meet up next week at Piccolo's Pizza. You guys, too. He wants to meet all of us, I said. Yeah. He sees your posts on the board, and he thinks you're cool, too. Okay, Mark said. Yeah, sure, Tim. We'll meet up. Sounds great. Thank <laughs> you. 
When Tim left the apartment that night to deliver newspapers, Mark and I logged into the BBS to check on Milk Boy. We couldn't access the account we created. We looked at the boards and saw a few Milk Boy posts we hadn't made, mostly about music, and a post about the updated GURPS rules on the role-playing board. In the final issue of Grant Morrison's run on the Animal Man comic book, Animal Man meets Grant Morrison in person. Of course, it's scripted. Morrison wrapping up his time on the series and making a heartfelt statement about childhood. A writer in control of a character. We were the writers behind Milk Boy, but somehow he seemed to take on a life of his own. It has to be fucking Tim, I said. He somehow found out and he's fucking with us in return. I bet you he strings us along for a few days and the next Friday before we all go meet Milk Boy, Tim suddenly like, oh, Milk Boy had to cancel at the last minute. Hell, it's Tim. He'll probably feel guilty by tomorrow and confess. But Tim didn't confess. Each day, Mark and I waited for him to cave in, but he never did. And each day, new Milk Boy replies on the boards popped up. Mark decided to message Milk Boy while Tim was working, not to call him out, but to see if he'd conveniently reply only when Tim got home from his paper route. How's this sound, Mark said. Hey, heard we're all meeting up on Friday for pizza and beer. Looking forward to it. We can swing by your place on the way and pick you up if you want, so you can drink more than just a couple beers. An hour after Mark sent the message, he got a reply from Milk Boy. Oh man, that would be so cool. Thanks. But I'm meeting up with a friend from Wisconsin after dinner with you guys. That's the only time he could hang out. He's in town for the weekend visiting family. You know how it is. Maybe the animal man theory wasn't too far-fetched. When Friday rolled around, we waited for Tim to say Milk Boy bailed on us, but he never did. We sat in Piccolo's Pizza waiting for a stranger from the BBS to arrive. Mark was likely thinking the same thing I was. Tim was going to take this to the absolute end. He'd order a bunch of food and beer, maybe even order a couple expensive drinks for himself since I was driving, and then he'd tell us he figured out the horrible thing we did to him and stick us with the bill. We'd pay it, of course, knowing we deserved worse than that, and Tim would have something to always go back to, like Mark reminding us how horrible it was for Tim and an old girlfriend to dare me to drink Mark's Sea Monkeys for $15. But Tim's big reveal that he was on to us never happened. In fact, we watched him stand up and wave his hand to a guy wandering into the restaurant wearing a They Might Be Giants Lincoln t-shirt. If you were given the task to make the most attractive of all geeks, you'd make Milk Boy. 
There was a kindness to his handsome gaze, a brightness in his friendly eyes framed by designer eyeglasses. He had a Superman curl of hair on his forehead, and as I watched him make his way through the pizza joint to our table back by the kitchen, he was built like the Man of Steel as well. I could see him fronting a boy band, but give him a little scruff and he could easily play the bad boy who made hearts swoon in movies. Are you Tim, he said? Yes. He stuck out his hand. Great to finally meet you in person, Tim. I'm Milk Boy, but you can call me Lance. After Tim shook his hand, I reached out and said, Hey Lance, I'm Chris. He almost crushed my hand as he said, It's Milk Boy to you. Remember that. Mark and I may as well have stayed home. The dinner discussion consisted of Tim and Milk Boy talking about all the things they loved. Tim practically shrieked with delight when Milk Boy talked about how he was reading his old Commandy comic books, and Milk Boy swooned with each band Tim mentioned. Mark and I fashioned Milk Boy to be a reflection of Tim, but real-life Milk Boy was better than anyone we could imagine. By the end of dinner, Tim and Milk Boy discovered their fathers actually went to the same high school in Wisconsin. When the waitress brought the bill, Milk Boy pulled out a wallet thick with cash and said, It's on me, guys. At least he finally acknowledged that Mark and I existed. From the moment Milk Boy left to the time we all went to sleep, Tim couldn't stop talking about how wonderful dinner was. In the weeks that followed, Tim spent more time hanging out with Milk Boy than us. They were inseparable. Tuesday comic book days became Tim and Milk Boy days. Tim even blew us off on Mystery Science Theater 3000 nights to go watch at Milk Boy's house. Yeah, Milk Boy had a house. A product of stout Midwest breeding, Milk Boy's father taught him the value of a dollar at a young age when Milk Boy knocked on doors offering to shovel driveways in the winter, plant flowers in the spring, mow lawns in the summer, and rake leaves in fall. Milk Boy wasn't rich, but by our terms, he sure as hell was. According to Tim, he even had a Shinobi arcade cabinet in his living room. When Milk Boy came to the apartment to hang out with Tim, the only time Tim's new best friend acknowledged us was when Tim left the room. If Tim got up to go to the bathroom, Milk Boy would turn to us and say, I don't know why Tim hangs out with you losers. You're a part-time pizza man, and you barely work at all. He deserves much better friends. Upon Tim's return, Milk Boy would look at him and say, 
I was just chatting with Mark and Chris about the new Tick comic book, which would send Tim off to talk about the week's comic shop haul. When we finally told Tim some of the things Milk Boy said to us, Tim didn't believe it. I know you two are jealous about how much time I spend with him, but I still like you. It's just... He seems to get me better than you guys. And so, life clicked along like that, until the following month when I got a call from Mark. I could tell by the background sounds that he was at work. I'm sure you plan to come over tonight anyway, but you need to head over right now. I'm leaving work. I have some big news to tell you. On the drive over, I imagined all the things it could have been. Maybe Mark had sold another indie comic book story. He sounded that excited. Maybe he finally got a tech gig instead of delivering pizzas for Jared at Two Dice. Or maybe it was about Milk Boy. Maybe Tim finally announced that he was bailing on Mark and becoming roommates with his new best friend. I was not expecting what Mark told me. Milk Boy is a drama student at the University of North Texas. He works nights at a convenience store where Tim delivers papers. Apparently, they hit it off in chat. Tim overheard you and me talking about Milk Boy. He got so mad that he wanted to fuck with us back. So, he asked his chat buddy at the gas station if he wanted to make a little extra money acting like Milk Boy. How the fuck do you know all this, I said. I heard Jared talking about it at work. Tim messaged him and told him we were using his BBS to mess with him. So, Jared changed Milk Boy's login and he and Tim took over. That's shitty of them! Mark raised an eyebrow. Okay, yeah, so we're the shitty ones. We deserve it. But Jared? He thought it was funny. Well, I can't argue with that. The next time Milk Boy visited the apartment, we waited for the usual barrage of insults from him when Tim left the room. We were watching Northern Exposure with Tim and Milk Boy when Tim announced, Be back in a couple. Gotta go get rid of some of those sausages I had for lunch. Before Milk Boy could tear into us again, Mark cut him off. Stop right there, Captain Thespian. We know you're a big old pile of bullshit. A drama student? And you have the gall to rip on us for the way we live our lives? I don't know what you're talking about. I said, we know Tim paid you to pretend to be Milk Boy. His gaze went to a beer stain on the carpet. When Tim comes back, Mark said, you're going to walk out that fucking door and never show your face again, understand? I can do that, Milk Boy said. Tim's cool, but this whole thing is fucked up. And you two are assholes. Who the hell makes up a fake person to mess with their best friend? It was a joke, I said. Grow the fuck up, Lint Boy. 
That's not a joke. That's fucking cruel. Lint boy? Yeah. You crash on everybody's lint-covered floors and are only concerned with making enough money to buy comic books every week. You're a little boy. Hold on, I said. You recognize how fucked up this whole situation was, but still went along with it? Must not be making much acting money if you're working overnights at a convenience store. You're no better than us. Am too. What are you, Mark said. A fucking fifth grader? Am too. The three of us bickered back and forth until Tim returned to the living room. What's going on, he said. Mark answered. We know you know about Milk Boy, and we know you paid this asshole to pretend to be him. Milk Boy stood up. Tim, you're a good guy, man. You definitely deserve better friends than these two. Later. When Milk Boy closed the door behind him, Tim said, What did you two say to him? He was about to start insulting us, I said. Mark let him know we found out he was an actor. How? I overheard Jared at work, Mark said. He told me everything. When did you figure it out? A few weeks in, Tim said. I realized Milk Boy never posted when you were at work and Chris was at home. He only replied when you were all online. So I contacted Jared. He thought my plan to turn the tables on you two was funny. Then I started chatting with Lance on my route and asked if he wanted in on it. We only planned to have him show up the night at Piccolo's. He was going to say that he had to go home to Wisconsin and that was going to be that. That was our plan, Mark said. We were going to have Milk Boy message you a couple times saying he had to go home and then he was going to fade away. We're sorry, I said. Tim said, you should be. Especially because it's almost my friggin' birthday, guys. But it is kind of funny. And I could apologize to Lance next time I see him on my route. But if you ever do something like this again, I'm not fucking kidding. I'll kill you motherfuckers with my T-square. Things went back to normal for the three of us. We played Dungeons and Dragons, worked on comic books together, and hung out while drinking beer and watching TV. Then one evening, things got weird. Mark and I were hanging out watching Mark's Akira video when Tim got home from a series of school visits for his kid's book. Really fucking funny, assholes. What, Mark said. Paying Lance to follow me around today? Fuck you! What the fuck are you talking about, Tim? Every fucking school I went to, I saw Lance watching me. Tim, I said. I swear. I mean, I know I don't believe in God, but I swear to God. We learned our lesson and we wouldn't do that. Chris is telling the truth, Mark said. It wasn't us. You sure it was Lance, I said? Tim shot me a look. Yes! 
Well, maybe he's fucking with you on his own, Mark said. Maybe he's going all method actor and keeping up the role. But we have nothing to do with it this time. Seriously, Tim, it's not us. It wasn't just Tim who started seeing Lance. Mark swore Lance was following him one night while delivering pizzas. And I never rode the North Shore Trail at Grapevine Lake faster than the day I was riding and saw Lance standing in the middle of the single track ahead of me. All three of us kept seeing him. Hey! Tim was the first to try chasing him down, but Lance turned a corner and disappeared. Mark and I saw him one night while walking to get snacks, standing just on the edge of the light cast by the gas station. We turned around to head home, but Lance was suddenly in front of us. Fight won over flight, and we rushed him, but he got over the hill between the apartments and the gas station before us and was nowhere to be seen. Like he'd just disappeared. On a night Tim and Mark weren't working, we decided to go to the source. We hopped in Tim's Ford Escort and drove up to Denton, to the Howdy Doody convenience store at Bell and Coronado. Lance was nowhere to be seen. Tim approached the cashier and said, Hey, the guy who's usually here at night, do you know where he is? Lance? Yeah. You didn't hear? Hear what? He pointed at a newspaper. On the front page was a story about how police were still looking for the killer of a guy found murdered in his apartment a week before. The article said it looked like a bear attack. The victim's name? Lance Fusco. We'd all seen Milk Boy earlier that day. All right, Tim said on the way home. We're stopping at the grocery store on the way and stocking up. Mark and I are calling in sick to work for the next few days. We're holing up in the apartment and we're not leaving for anything. If, for any reason, we do have to go out, we go out in a group. All three of us, understand? The next couple days, we were like kids during a blizzard that closed school. We played video games in Dungeons and Dragons. We watched movies and we drank beer. Okay, so maybe it was a bit better than being kids stuck at home. We had several days of fun until the day Mark and I did something stupid. On Tim's birthday, while he took a nap to stay up for a night of celebrating, Mark and I made a quick run to Denton to surprise Tim with a Middle Eastern spread from Yummy's Greek Restaurant. We were speeding along the I-35 access road on our way home when it happened. A body fell from the sky right in front of us. Mark locked the brakes but couldn't stop in time. It was the most horrible sound I ever heard. When we came to a stop, we looked at each other. Mark said, Did that look like... Milk Boy, I said. 
We got out of the truck, looking at the prone body and the headlights in front of us. Neither of us wanted to be the first to approach. We waited for the other to take the first step. I took a deep breath and started toward the body. That's when Milk Boy got up. It was Milk Boy, but it wasn't Milk Boy. He looked more like the vampire from Fright Night than Milk Boy. A mouthful of fangs and glowing red eyes. I've been looking for you too. He moved on Mark first. Mark reached into the bed of his pickup and grabbed the cross-wheel lug wrench. The cross seemed to repel Demon Milk Boy. The old Baptist side of Mark kicked in. By the holy gospel of Jesus Christ, stand down! You will find no safe harbor in our souls, for we are imbued with his spirit. In Christ's name I command ye, leave now, demon, or suffer his wrath. Demon Milk Boy stopped his advance. He turned to me. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> then I will take your friend. He leaped up and flew off into the night. The tires of Mark's Mazda B2000 pickup truck squealed as we pulled into a Chevron parking lot looking for a payphone. Mark leaped out for getting change. I grabbed a quarter from the dashboard, ran to the phone, and inserted the coin. Mark dialed so quickly that he messed up the number. He hung up, pulled the coin return, and tried again. Hello? Tim, it's Mark. You need to get out of the apartment now. I can't explain, but Milk Boy's coming. Get the fuck out of the apartment! Tim can't talk right now. He's occupied. It was easy to forget there was a time in Mark's youth when he walked door-to-door -door in the hills of Tennessee, spreading the gospel and witnessing for Jesus Christ. None of us had any reverence for faith as adults. In my case, I never did. But Mark was once a born-again in the blood of Christ Jesus Southern Baptist, known in the hills as the boy touched by the Lord his self. There were aspirations to get him on AM radio. He was so fired up on God's word. But his family returned to Texas, where Mark discovered comic books, Dungeons and Dragons, and goth music were far more fun than church. We puttered along I-35, hoping the radiator would hold up long enough to get us back to the apartment. We were silent at first, me thinking about how I had been wrong about Jesus and demons and everything my entire life. Okay, I think I have it figured out, Mark said. That thing is some kind of quantum manifestation. Remember Animal Man 26? Like that. But not just a story, 
totally for real. It's a fucking demon, Mark. No, I mean, I get what you're getting at. It's real, but it's not what it seems. It's like how some particles, when observed, react to certain laws. But it's all chaos when we're not looking. It's playing by certain rules and expects us to do the same. So when we get to the apartment, we're going in with the full armor of God. What the fuck is that? The belt of truth. Speak only the truth when we confront it. We'll also be protected by the breastplate of righteousness. We deserve to be called out for fucking with Tim, but none of us deserve this. The gospel of peace will protect our feet. As stupid as we can be at times, we're still good people not out to hurt anyone. The shield of faith, the helm of salvation, and wielding the sword of the spirit might be a little bit harder for you having never believed in any of this crap. I'll go in first and pave the way. You just think about saving Tim and putting all this behind us. My biggest fear is how strong it will be when we get to the apartment. It's gonna feed off Tim's residual Catholicism in a way no former Baptist could ever sate it. The apartments were silent when we pulled up. Lights were out and no one was around. We walked to the door of Mark and Tim's place and listened. We heard singing. Happy birthday, best friend. Happy birthday, best friend. Milk boy will never leave you. Happy birthday, best friend. Mark looked at me and said, Remember, full armor of God, as he reached for the doorknob. The inside of Mark and Tim's apartment looked like a fire and brimstone plain of hell. A rope bridge crossed the living room, suspended over a drop into a fiery abyss that seemed to have no bottom. In the dining room, Tim was bound to the chair at the head of the table. Demon Milk Boy wore a party hat and lit the candles on a worm-riddled birthday cake with his fingertips. The rest of the table was covered with books and dice and figures from our last Dungeons and Dragons session. It appears we have company, best friend. Leave him alone, Mark said. Leave him alone? But it was you who started this. Two puny humans too stupid to realize it is unwise to meddle with things you do not understand. We were just fucking around, I said. There is power in words. You two of all people should know that. What you have manifested will now be your undoing. The demon raised its hands like something out of Fantasia's Night on Bald Mountain scene, causing the flames in the abyss to rise. 
Run! Mark shouted. We charged across the rope bridge as the fire climbed higher. Mark's feet and body glowed, and I swear I saw a shield pushing back flames as he scrambled across. The bridge gave way just as we reached the other side, just enough to cause me to lose balance at the edge. Mark extended a hand, making sure I didn't fall in. I see you wear the armor of God, Demon Milkboy said. Tell me, Christopher, what do you really think about Mark? I imagined the belt of truth around my waist. I hated him at first. He wasn't nice to me when I met him. He thought he was better than everyone he met. He was so fucking pompous, and there wasn't a face on the planet I wanted to punch more than his. But we each chilled the fuck out and got to know each other. There are now times I spend more time with him than Tim. I'm the writer I am largely because of Mark. More confident, too. I hope when we're older that we still have each other's backs. Mark laughed and said, Didn't work out the way you hoped, did it? Well, what about you, false warrior of lies? What do you think of Chris? I thought he was log-dumb when I met him. He's still the goofiest person I know, but he's not stupid. I was wrong to think that. And I resented him because I knew how much Tim loves him. But he's also the reason I know Tim. We're all sort of a fucked up package deal and I'll die right here for either of them. Your wish is my command. Demon Milk Boy rushed Mark, but I was faster. I hit him at the waist and knocked him back. One mighty swat from the demon was enough to knock me to my hands and knees. The goofy one will be the first to die. I braced for the hit, but it never came. A bright light filled the room. When I turned back to look, Mark held a 20-sided die in his left hand and a silver glowing sword in his right. Oh, you want to throw dice and play your little sword game? Be my guest. Your factor is 20. You cannot harm me. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall, Mark said. The D20 tumbled across the table and came to rest near the birthday cake. Ha! You are the one. You are a weak little morsel. The light from Mark's sword dimmed. With one punch, Demon Milk Boy knocked Mark across the dining room and into the abyss. Mark! When the initial shock of losing Mark wore off and I remembered that I could still save Tim, I shouted, What the fuck is wrong with you? Why the fuck are you like this? None of this makes sense! Who the fuck hurt you so bad that you go and do shit like this? I waited for the demon to come down on me with all its might, but it didn't. I stood up and got face to face with Demon Milk Boy. I asked you a question. Who hurt you? 
I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. Someone hurt you really bad to make you like this. Silence. I'll shut up if you just tell me who hurt you. Everybody. Everybody okay? Everybody who picked on you at Walt Whitman Junior High School. Every motherfucker who pelted Mark with biscuits in the cafeteria. Every person who made Tim feel so self-conscious about himself that he shoulders unnecessary emotional weight every day. Every person who gave Lance a wedgie before he bulked up in self-defense. I am the manifestation of all that and more. I am the pain of youth made real. A single tear sizzled and evaporated as it rolled down Demon Milk Boy's cheek. I know that shit hurts, I said, but it's in the past. That was then. It doesn't mean the memories go away and stop stinging, but you find the people who love you and you don't let go of them. That's easy for you to say. Nobody loves me. I hugged Demon Milk Boy as hard as I could. Stop! No! It felt like I was holding a burning tree trunk as the demon struggled to get free. I bore the pain and held tight as it smoldered and lost power. When it was done and gone, I held Lance Fusco in my arms. What the fuck is going on, he said. Help! As the hellscape faded in the apartment, we heard Mark call for help from the closing abyss. Lance and I rushed to the edge and pulled him up right before it sealed beneath the carpet. We removed the gag from Tim's mouth and untied him. Are you okay, I said. Yeah, I think so. I have no fucking idea what just happened, but I'm fine. What about you, Lance, Mark said. Yeah, I'm okay. The last thing I remember was sitting in my apartment thinking about how I still have such a hard time making friends. I got pissed at myself and started pounding myself in the head. I heard a pop like my skull opened and released something. It's a long story, Mark said. I dropped Tim's birthday dinner into the abyss, but we can order pizza, drink some beer, and catch you up on the last week. You're welcome to stay and celebrate Tim's birthday with us. Maybe play some D&D. I'd like that, Lance said. Happy birthday, Tim. Yeah, yeah happy, happy birthday, birthday, Mark and I said in unison. Thanks, guys. If nothing else, it's been memorable. We all looked at the birthday cake on the table. The roiling mass it was before morphed into a normal cake. Mark started singing. Happy birthday to you. Lance joined in. Happy birthday to you. Then me. Happy birthday, dear Tim. Happy birthday to you.
I don't know what Tim wished for when he blew out the candles on that cake, and I never asked him. Maybe I will someday. I don't know if Mark or Lance made a wish, but I did. I figured, why the hell not? We just fought a fucking demon. And so, in that moment, I wished we'd all still be friends when we grew older and gray. I'm happy to report, it's one of the only wishes in my life to ever come true. Master, what is it, little one? Master, I'm sorry I failed you, but in my stumbling, I have discovered a new way to rule his children above. A manner of temptation and addiction unlike any we could have dreamed. A mechanism of division that will impregnate their existence with chaos and compel them to destroy each other without our influence. Oh, do tell. Now, let me show you. <laughs> oh, how sinister. Oh, how utterly delicious. Thank you for listening to Not About Lumberjacks. My voice is gone, you could probably tell. Um, I need to work at that kind of thing a little bit better. Probably should have read all the demon voices at the end, because... Oh, I'm sure that got a little rough at the end. But, happy birthday, Tim. You suffered through so many years of friendship with us, so... My voice just suffered for you. Anyway, I'm going to probably do the rest of this almost in the demon voice because it comes through better. Theme music, as always, is by Ergo Fizmiz. Story music this time is by Birdies, licensed through Epidemic Sound. To save time creating an ambient hellscape, I licensed one of Michael Gelfie's many ambient tracks. If you're in need of a background sound for role-playing games, parties, your workday, or something to fall asleep to, Michael has your back. I'll also be sure to leave a link to his website and his YouTube channel in the show notes. Sound effects are always made in-house or from freesound.org. I'm really losing my voice. Anyway... 
uh, do I have a call at work tomorrow? If I do, they're going to be like, what the hell? And I'll just go into the demon voice and they'll be like, ooh, something's wrong with Chris. Why the fuck did we hire him? Anyway, visit nolumberjacks.com for information about the show, the voice talent, and the music. In November... The annual tradition continues as I share the most not not about Lumberjack's story of the year in honor of the show's sixth anniversary. Yes, six years. What's the story about, you wonder? Two deadhead loggers find something remarkable in the piney woods of East Texas, putting them at odds with a large timber company. So... Until next time, be mighty and keep your axes sharp. And now, some bloopers. Oh, belchy belchy. Oh, man, that smelled like a really good dinner belch. Cynthia's been cooking lately. Really good stuff. A lot of lime in that belch. Mmm. This fucking sucks. Now watch this be the day that the apartments are actually on fire and they're like at the door pounding like, You gotta get out now. Everything's on fire. And I'm like, I'm in the middle of recording and they're like, don't matter, hoss. If I gotta throw you over my shoulder, carry you down them stairs, that's what I'm gonna do. And I'd be like, I'd like to see you try. I look like a big guy, but I've got the weight of a fat guy, motherfucker. The cross seemed to repel Demon Meek. Meek boy. He's not meek, he's fucking evil. Ugh. Oh, this is shredding my voice. With one punch, ooh, my voice getting shredded. With one punch, with one punch, why is that sounding so bad? <clears throat> Everybody who picked on you at Walt with everyone who picked on oh my voice. Oh, this is this is terrible. As the hellscape... Oh, my voice is gone. I, I can't finish this, maybe. 